another edition of Daily in the Word. This is Rich Chassie, your host and teacher. We're glad that you're with us today as we begin in John chapter 19. We are now to the final events of Jesus' earthly ministry as he is preparing to go to the cross as he stands against Pilate. This is now Pilate's second time to see Jesus. He saw him the first time at the end of chapter 18. John doesn't tell us this, but the other Gospels do, that Pilate sent him first to Herod because Jesus was from Galilee, therefore under Herod's authority. Herod sent him back to Pilate. Now Pilate has to make a final decision here. So let's go ahead and begin reading in John 19, verse 1, and we will read to verse 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have the power to either free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is called Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. At this stage of the game, for Pilate, he doesn't know what to do with Jesus. It seems like he can't win, and that's the case. He won't stand up for true justice. He, in the end, looks out for his own interests. So he takes Jesus and has him flogged. Such a simple statement that that John makes here, but the flogging was quite significant. Many prisoners died simply because of the flogging. It was done with a cat of nine tails, a long whip with multiple leather strips coming off of it, and tied into those 
leather strips were pieces of rock or steel or glass. And it was very vicious what that would do to a person's body when it was used to whip them. Verse 2 says, The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And it's interesting how the thorns represent the introduction of sin into the world by Adam and Eve. And of course, this is why Jesus is paying the penalty for our sin on the cross, because of our sin. And so in a statement of mockery, they weave this crown of thorns together. They put it on his head. The thorns would have been like the inch and a half long variety, and they certainly would have caused much bleeding. They clothed him in a purple robe, again, in a way of mocking. It was a robe of royalty. They went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews, again, mockery. They slapped him or they punched him in the face. At other points, they pulled his beard. Other go- the other gospels say that they spit on him. All of this, all of this humility, all of this beating was part of the payment for the price of sin. Once more, Pilate comes out and says to the Jews there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. But they continue, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate says, here is the man, or the more famous way of saying that, behold the man. As soon as the chief priests and officials see Jesus and hear what Pilate has to say, they're shouting, crucify, crucify then Pilate says, you take him and crucify him. Now, everyone knows full well that the Jews cannot do that, and the Jews don't crucify people anyway. That was a Roman instrument for putting people to death. Pilate says, as for me, I find no basis for a charge against him, and he wants out of this as much as he can. But again, the Jewish leaders insist, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die. He claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate hears this, he's more afraid. And then when his wife, and we find this out again in one of the other Gospels, that his wife has a dream about Jesus and warns him not to put Jesus to death. Pilate is just out of his mind at this point. He doesn't know what to do. And so he goes back in and he begins to question Jesus. Where do you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer, which is a fulfillment of Isaiah 53 which talks about how he was silent before those who would kill the sheep. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And he doesn't know what he's saying to the Son of God, the creator of the universe. He's speaking to that, to Jesus this way. Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you, and that's a reference to Caiaphas. Caiaphas is the one who officially passed him on to Pilate. He is guilty of a greater sin because he is a Jewish person, a Jewish religious leader who should have known better. But their bloodlust and their want for their own power is foremost in their mind, and they want Jesus killed. And that's exactly what they're going to get. 
Pilate, in the meantime, he's he's trying to set Jesus free. And again, the, the leaders are coming up and they're saying things that in their right mind, they would never say this. But if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Of course, they themselves were no friend of Caesar. But in saying this to Pilate, the emperor is Tiberius and he's a jealous guy and he's a conspiracy theorist and concerned about people coming after his throne. And so the last thing Pilate wants is for a report to get back to Caesar that Pilate was in some way trying to usurp Tiberius's authority. So anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate hears this, he brought Jesus out and sat down at the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement. It was the day of preparation of the Passover, and then the NIV translates this next phrase as, it was about noon, and that's an unfortunate translation. The Greek reads, it was the sixth hour. Now, it depends upon whether you're using a Jewish timetable or a Roman timetable. The synoptic gospels, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all use a Jewish timetable, a way of telling time. John uses a Roman timetable. With that in mind, Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus was crucified at about 9 a.m., which would have been the third hour, which is how that's written in the original Greek. The third hour would have been counted from the 6 a.m. or around the sunrise time, so three hours from sunrise. And John's gospel says it's about the the sixth hour, which according to Roman time would have made it at 6 a.m. So it would have been impossible for Jesus to still be sitting in front of Pilate at noon when Mark's gospel tells us that he was crucified the third hour, which would have been more than likely 9 a.m. It's why passages like this, it's best not to just assume. It's best just to write it as the Greek said it, the way that John wrote it, the third hour or the sixth hour, I mean. And the sixth hour probably was about at 6 a.m. in the morning. So it's still quite early that day. And again, Pilate says, here is your king. And they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate again rebuts, shall I crucify your king? And then the phrase that the chief priests of all people utter, we have no king but Caesar. That in itself would have been treasonous, would have been sin like no other for people in their position. But their bloodlust for Jesus would not go unanswered. They needed Jesus to be crucified. And so finally, Pilate gives in and hands him over to be crucified. Lord, I don't know how to express in my mind, in my words, what they must have been feeling for those religious leaders to be crucify him, crucify him, and we have no other king but Caesar. But Lord, I have to admit that in my own mind, that whenever I choose to sin, there is a sense where I'm driving the nails myself into your hands and feet. 
for me especially, because as a believer in Jesus Christ, I should know better. I know that my sin, my sin, is what put him on the cross, let alone the sin of the world. And yet, Lord, there are times when I I do choose to sin, and how could I? But Lord, your grace and your forgiveness is so immense and so incredible that you choose to forgive me, knowing that I'm going to sin again in my future. And Lord, I cannot wait for the day when all of us, when we will be out of the presence of sin and it will no longer be an option for me, but I will be able to live in your presence unshackled from any possibility of sin. And Lord, I look forward to that day. Lord, in the meantime, as I live my life, may I live for you. May I choose more and more to reject sin, to fight off temptation, to run away from temptation, to follow you with every step and every thought, every word from my mouth, every action that I take. May it be something that honors you. I want my life to bring honor and glory to you and not to be subject to the sin that seemingly too easily gets me. So Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Thank you for enduring all that you did, which we have read today. All of that, Lord, that John just so easily mentions and moves on and doesn't give us the details, but Lord, thank you. Just thank you. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening in today on Daily in the Word. I pray that you'll be back with us again tomorrow as we continue down this very painful road looking at and and reading about and studying about the crucifixion of Jesus. That will happen on the pages that we will read next time as we finish John chapter 19. And again, we can rejoice because we know the end of the story. We know what happens at the end of the book. Look forward to that as we dig into the remainder of John's gospel together here on Daily in the Word. And until then, we'll see you next time. Have a great day.